0: Lost a loved one recently? Do you find it hard to move on with your life? There are lots of questions and a quest for a solution. Where do you start? Welcome to From Morning to Morning with your host, Rabbi Mel Glazer. Rabbi Mel and his guests are here to guide you through the different stages of grief and help you heal from your loss. You'll come away with a much better understanding of how you can move forward. Now, here's Rabbi Mel.
1: Friends, uh, Rabbi Mel here with you again. It's good to be back together after a week. Um, we're going to uh, have some interesting stuff to talk about tonight. But as I was waiting to begin, I was thinking, I was, I was pondering the uh, upcoming elections. Now I'm not a politician, far from it. I'm a grief person, a grief guy, and I was thinking you know, somebody's going to lose this presidential election bad and they're going to lose it. And what do you do when you run for president of the United States and you lose? After all, you've got two candidates who've already gotten millions of votes to win the primaries and have already beaten all their adversaries who ran against them. And come November... There's going to be a national election, and one of them is going to be the next president of the United States, and one of them is going to lose. Well, losing for president of the United States is a little bit different than, you know, losing a team baseball game in the park on a Saturday afternoon, it seems to me. It's a major, major loss. So how would the, the loser feel? We're not going to talk about that tonight, but maybe... Close to the election, we'll talk about that, and I'll have some prescient thoughts about that. By the way, if you want to contact me with a question, you want to call, uh, the number is 888-346-9141. One more time, eight 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 three four six nine one four one. And if you want to send me an email, send it to rabbi mel at griefok.com. So, the topic of our show tonight and every week is how to move from morning to morning, that is, how to accept. And deal with a life loss, either the loss of a dear person in your life or the loss of hope or the loss of a job or the loss of a relationship or, God forbid, the loss of a child. And how do you do that and come out whole again on the other side? And that's all we talk about. And we're gonna talk about that tonight from a different perspective. How do you do that? You know, I always like to say, the sun comes up tomorrow morning no matter what. So, whether you've lost somebody or not, the world goes on. And it's infuriating sometimes when you see everybody else living their lives just like they did yesterday, but you can't do that because the person that you loved is no longer with you. And we've used different metaphors and examples and I've talked about, you know, mama used to call me every Sunday afternoon at two o'clock to find out how I am and two o'clock comes next Sunday and there's no phone ring No phone call from mama. Well, how do I deal with that? How do you move on when there's no more phone calls from special ones? But I want to start with another situation tonight, another way of looking at grief. So let's say that your mother dies. Could be anybody in your family, but let's say your mother dies and you're... Uh, 14 years old and you deal with it however you deal with it and you try to do the best you can and hopefully you get help from friends and maybe grief therapists and people in your life that you love and trust. So when you're 14 you do some grief work and let's say you're successful at it and you move on in your life, and you have fun as a teenager. Then when you get to be 18, and you become a um, an adult, really, according to the laws of the United States, uh, I believe that you have to grieve her again, because you were 14 when she died. Now you're different. And if you're different, the way you look at her death is going to be different, And that's what I want to talk about. How do you go and grieve somebody many times and in many different ways? Because you change. You're never the same as you were the last time you grieved her loss. You have to grieve over and over and over and over. And what happens when her birthday comes? And the family used to get together and have a big birthday party for her. Well, what do you do? Do you have a party? Do you not? She's not there, so maybe you don't, but maybe you do so you can get together. I'm going to tell you my suggestions a little bit later on, but that's the problem. What do you do at Christmas time? What do you do at the Seder on Passover? When mama's not there anymore to sit in her chair. And it's even worse. The loss is even deeper than that because mama was the was the member of your family that you could confide in. You could tell her anything. Couldn't tell daddy anything. He had a temper. But you could tell mama anything and you knew that she would not judge you. She would love you and she would give you advice if you wanted it. But most of all, she would hold you and tell you how much she loved you. Well, Christmas comes or Passover comes and the family gets together and mom's not there like she was last year. What do you do? How do you handle it? Can you really be joyful that night at that meal or not? As I say, I have some suggestions later on that I'll share with you, but I have some uh, talking to do before that. This This issue really has to do with the question of does time heal all wounds? I mean, one could say, if you're 14 and she died, so when you're 30, you're over it already. Except you and I, No, that's not necessarily true. And I've told you many times the story of a former congregant of mine who came to me and asked me, he said, you need to help me grieve my mother's death. She died 40, that's four zero, 40 years ago. And he was in his 70s, this guy. So I sent him to the cemetery where his mama was buried and I told him what to say. And he spent four hours at her grave and he felt much better after he did that. The point is not that I'm a great grief counselor, I like to think I am, but that the advice I gave him helped him to lay her gently down as I like to say. He thought that time would heal all his wounds. He thought that after 40 years, you know, he'd be done mourning her. But he saw that time does not heal wounds all by itself. So the question I ask is, are you still grieving a loss that took place over a year ago? Is your heart still broken over a loss that happened over five years ago? How about a loss that occurred over 10 or even 20 years ago? If so, you are not alone. You've heard the phrase grief just takes time. Most of us were taught that time heals. So it's no wonder we wait and we wait and we wait some more to recover. If recovering from grief was as simple as waiting for time to pass, how much time do you think it would take? Is it reasonable to believe that 5, 10, or 20 years would be enough time? I know people, and so do you, whose mother has died, and they have a hard time dealing with it 5, 10, 20 years later, and people will come up to them and say, aren't you done grieving yet? It's enough. You have to live your life. She's gone. She's no longer here to tell you what to do, to help you, to love you, to give you advice. Just get over it. Well, as uh, the ancient rabbis used to say, there's no clock for the soul. By that they meant it takes as long as it takes. The sad truth is the idea that time heals all wounds, keeps grievers stuck in their heartache, because it's not true. Time only passes. If you don't do anything with that time, then 20 years, you'll be the same as you are today. Time simply passes. That's what it does. Time does not heal It's what we do during that time that heals or does not heal. When you get a flat tire, do you wait for it to refill with air on its own? Or do you pull a spare from your trunk or call AAA? When you break a bone, do you sit around and wait for it to heal? Or do you go to the doctor? So why is it that when we break our hearts... Do we take no action, most of us? Doesn't your heart deserve the same attention as broken bones and flat tires? Well, the answer is, of course it does. But we know that we were never taught how to do that. And I keep saying, and you may be tired of me saying this, but uh, you got to hear it and hear it some more, society... Never teaches us, never taught us how to let go of relationships. Society taught us how to make new friends. Society told us how to add new pieces to our life. But society never taught us how to lose things or people. And I always say, look at your desk in your office. If you're anything like me, you got a big pile of papers and books and phone messages and all the other stuff that you and I know, well, we have piled up. And we don't know how to get rid of it. It just stays there. Well, that doesn't help us any. It just stays there until we do something about it. Somebody just wrote a book called The Exquisite Joy of Cleaning Your House. And she talked about how good you feel when you throw out clothes that you don't need anymore because they don't give you pleasure anymore. And she says, if they don't give you pleasure, get rid of them, give them the goodwill, give them to somebody who could use them, uh, give them away because you don't need them anymore. One of the difficulties with hearing, time heals all wounds, it doesn't, but it's the problem that sometimes people will then expect that not only will all wounds be healed, but that it can be done in a set amount of time. So you know my next question is going to be. So how long does grieving take? And the answer is it takes as long as it takes you to fill that time that's passing with healing actions and healing thoughts. You've got to do something about it or nothing's going to change. Grief recovery itself is an ongoing process that takes work and effort with numerous steps along the way. And we've talked about many of them. And its duration is as unique as every individual. Because the ways people deal with their losses are unique to them and their personal situations. Everybody's different. Some people heal faster than others. Some people, it takes a longer time to heal. That's not right or wrong. There is no right or wrong in this situation. So we don't have the right to judge anybody. We can wonder, but we can't judge. All we can do is love them and tell them we love them and tell them we hope that they, you know, can heal soon and move on to joy, but that's about it. You can't do anything. Yeah, you can make them dinner once or twice a week. And yeah, you can take their kids to school in the carpool in the morning and in the afternoon. And yeah, you can do things like that, but you can't change their heart. Their hearts are going to heal when it's time for them to heal. Perhaps one of the greatest erroneous presumptions is that the process of grief will be orderly and it will follow a step-by-step process or that each step will take a specific amount of time. Just because there's a method for grief recovery doesn't mean it will follow a certain order or be accomplished in a certain amount of time. We used to talk about stages of death, you know, there are some people say there are seven stages of death, some people say there are five, I wrote a book called A GPS for Grief and Healing, where I say there are only three stages of grief and healing. We'll talk more about this after the break, and I will have more to say about time and its inability to heal.
2: Believe it or not, the Bible talks a lot about grief and healing and can be a powerful source for us to move forward. For example, after Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt where they'd been slaves, they wandered in the desert for 40 years before God would let them into the Promised Land. God only wanted those who'd been born free, who'd never known slavery, to enter Israel. Those who had been slaves had to die out before their descendants would be allowed to enter the Promised Land. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glazer's award-winning book, And God Created Hope, available at Amazon and in Kindle format. When you're wandering after a life loss, you're really wandering in two directions at the same time. Part of you wants to go back, and part of you wants to go forward. That was also true of the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert with Moses. They didn't want to go back to being slaves, of course, but they did want to go back to the familiarity of home in Egypt. It was predictable and known, and they were afraid, like everyone is, of the unknown. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glaser's award-winning book, A GPS for Grief and Healing, available at Amazon and in Kindle format. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world.
0: You are listening to From Morning to Morning. To find out more about our program, visit GriefOK.com. Again, that's GriefOK.com. Now, back to From Morning to Morning.
1: This is Rabbi Mel, and we're back. We've been talking about the issue of time and whether it heals a grief and loss or not. And the answer is absolutely not. Time doesn't do anything except pass. And I've used several examples. You know, if your um, tire goes flat, you're not going to sit in the car and wait for it to heal itself, you're going to call AAA or somebody else. You're going to get them to come and fix it. Uh, If you get hit by a car and you break your arm, you're not going to lie in the street and wait for your arm to get better all by itself, you're going to either call 911, go to the ER, or you're going to call a friend or or a relative and you're going to have them do something about it. So when your heart is broken over a loss, you're not going to just sit there and wait for it to heal by itself, because time does absolutely nothing. Matter of fact, sometimes waiting too long can make the, the, the pain worse, can make it worse, it, because the pain will infiltrate your brain and your heart and your mind and your emotions and you'll start to become an angry, hurt, hurtful, hurting, and maybe hurtful person, and you will think only about death and loss. And so, can't wait too long, but you gotta do something in that time that you've got. Loss is loss. And whether it's a loss of trust, a loss of approval, a loss of a relationship, a loss of safety, or a loss of a loved one. Every single one of these things brings its issues to a major grief crisis. And even when we begin to think that something is better, this is not true. Because at any time, we can be triggered to re-experience those memories and bring about a grieving moment again. I have this theory that we all suffer from PTSD. Something happened early on in our life and we are reminded of it and when when we are reminded of it, we break down again. And my favorite example is you're in the grocery store and in your fruits and vegetable section <laughs> and you see a head of lettuce and you remember that one of the things you like to do is to make parties for your family. And you use that head of lettuce to make beautiful salads for that party for your family. And everybody came and sat around the table and ate your salad and told you how delicious it was. And you look at that lettuce and immediately, because our hearts work the way they do, and because our minds are associative, we break down when we think about those big family parties. I've seen people crying in the middle of supermarkets. I know why they're crying. Other people don't because they don't, they just don't know but I know because they have this memory and the memory won't leave them alone. You know what I'm talking about, it's happened to you. You'll break out in tears for no apparent reason, well there's always an apparent reason. Because you remind yourself of something or you are reminded of something that happened in your past. doesn't matter how far back it happened and it brings back very painful memories. Especially when somebody, when a person dies, when a friend dies, a spouse dies. You used to take walks together and now you can't. And so the first time you go out on a walk yourself, You spend 20 minutes in tears because he's not there with you anymore or she's not there with you anymore. So even when we think something is better, may not be true. We can be triggered to re-experience those memories and bring about a grieving moment once again. That is why grief can remain painfully tangible for decades. It lasts as long as we allow it to last. If there has been no work done on that loss over a person's life, even while other losses have also occurred, there's a high possibility of being emotionally paralyzed after a new loss. It's not just the latest crisis, but the compounding effect of not facing the other losses that can cause problems. That's why, I don't know about what your religion says to you, but when we Jews go to the cemetery for a funeral or for the unveiling of a, a gravestone, we always stop at other graves of people that we knew and love. And our tradition is to take a rock and place it on the grave. It's a symbol that somebody was there. It's a symbol that somebody loves you. And even though you're not here anymore, you're still here in our hearts. So one funeral reminds us of all the others. One death reminds us of all the others. A great disservice has been done to the grief recovery process by the propagation of a misinterpreted series of steps created by Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Remember her book, she talked about five stages Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and finally, acceptance were originally developed to explain stages of dying, not grief. Her book was for the dying, not for the survivors. They're not good, those stages. We go through all those stages, perhaps, but not in any particular order. To imply that grieving follows certain stages and therefore should be completed in an orderly fashion over a certain period of time simply isn't true. The problem with death is that order goes out the window. There's no order anymore. The orderliness of our lives disappears. And so we have to start over. We have to make a new order. We have to make new rituals. We have to live our life differently. So I like to say you have to become a new you. And that's what you do. You create a new you. And the new you could be different than the old you. I know somebody who, uh, whose father died this morning member of my congregation, and he had been sick for years. And it took him a long time to die, but he finally died. And I said to her, as I say gently as possible, I say to all mourners, you know, this death is really a gift of freedom for you because now you're free to become whoever you want to be. You're not only free to do that, but you're free because your days are not spent being a caregiver in the hospital or the hospice or the rehab center. You are now free to spend that time the way you choose. So remember, death can be a gift especially if it puts an end to pain and suffering. That's what I tried to explain to her this morning, but I think it was too soon in the process. He had just died. I should have waited. I should have said it when I said it, but I will say it to her when she comes back from New York next week after his funeral. I know and you know that grieving is an individual process that's disorderly at best. The whole point of grief recovery is to take steps toward recovery rather than focusing on how much time it will take. Over time, we have identified six major myths. We've talked about them on the show, about grief that are so universal that nearly everyone can relate to having absorbed them early in life. Although they can't always explain what they mean and whether or not they are true or helpful. So if you want to start at the beginning, the first myth is what we've been talking about. The myth that time heals all wounds. We'll get into why this is a myth later, But first, let's review the other myths about grief that we have covered on these shows over the past months. Another myth is don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Well, of course you feel bad. You cannot feel good again unless you felt bad. Even if death heals pain and gets rid of suffering, Even if death gives you the freedom to choose how to spend the rest of your life, because you're still living, you didn't die. Even if, even if you feel bad before you feel better. Another myth, replace the loss. If your pet dies, what do you do? You go out and buy another dog or you adopt another dog. Some people, their spouse will die immediately, their spouse will die, and within a year, they will get remarried. The problem is they haven't really laid the first spouse down gently. And so, they're still carrying that first spouse on their shoulders. Well, you can replace the loss, you can get married again, but you're going to have a problem because you haven't really let your first spouse die gently and peacefully and with dignity and honor. You're still carrying them and it's baggage that you don't really need. Another myth, Grave alone. Don't bother me. Just go to your room and cry if you have to. And if you work and you have, a, and you have to go to work every day, so maybe your office will give you, well, your, your, your place of business will give you three days of grief leave to go to the funeral and then you come back and nobody wants to talk about it. You're supposed to grieve alone. Nobody wants to talk about your mother's death, nobody. And you're at work. You're supposed to be working. You're supposed to be accomplishing. You're at business. Nobody cares about your life except you. That's too bad, but that's the way it is. And we know that you never should grieve alone. You should have a group in which you can be honest and you can say what's in your heart and where you can tell stories about your beloved, and they will listen, and they will love, and they will support you no matter what. But our society doesn't teach that. Our society says, grieve alone, don't bother me. I got my own problems to deal with. Another myth is, be strong and be strong for others. Take care of everybody else and you'll be okay. Keep busy as if keeping busy will solve your grief problems. Well, you know what they say on the airplanes, on the airliners, The, um, I like to say stewardess. I'm used to it. I'm sorry. It's. I apologize. The flight attendant will talk about air pressure. And the flight attendant will say, if there's a problem with air pressure, the oxygen masks will fall down and you will put them on your face and you will tighten them and you'll pull the button, you'll pull the cord and magically oxygen will come and take care of you. And then she says, if that happens first, you put your own oxygen on and then, and only then, I say, and then, she says, you can take care of those who are with you. What does that mean? It means you have to take care of yourself first. First, 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 first. That's not being jealous. That's respecting yourself you are still an important human being. You're created in God's image. And you have the right to take care of yourself. So you have to put on the oxygen first before you help anybody else with you. And that includes your kids, by the way. And some of you will disagree with me, but I believe that. Because you're not going to be much of a father or a mother if you don't put on your oxygen to give you the the, um, strength to take care of them. Because if you take care of them and you don't take care of yourself, you may not live to tell the story. So all these myths get in the way. They're all false, but that's what we learn. Everybody who suffers a loss learns these myths. And we and, and the work of healing is to really unlearn the myths. Yes, feel bad. No, don't you don't have to replace the loss right away. No, you do not grieve alone. Yes, grief takes time. There's nothing instant about it. And finally, you have to be strong for yourself, or you're never going to be able to be strong for anybody else. So we've been talking today about time and about time heals all wounds. If we were to compare myths, it might be the most damaging of all. That may be true, but the myth that negatively affects the largest number of people in the world is the idea that time can heal an emotional Wound. Time, as I've said before many times, only passes. It does nothing. It is what we do within time that affects the quality of our lives. The false idea that time heals emotional wounds is based on a misunderstanding of the normal human reaction to losses of all kinds. For example, in our immediate reaction to the death of someone important to us, it's normal and natural at first to have a sense of numbness. We feel numb. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. That's why I called my book a GPS. It gives you the directions, literally, where to go and how to get there. We'll finish up time, and then I'll have some answers for you how to deal with the problem of what you do when uh, she or he is not there anymore at the family celebration, when we come back from the break. Be right back.
0: Follow us on Twitter for more
2: great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. When you're wandering after a life loss, you're really wandering in two directions at the same time. Part of you wants to go back and part of you wants to go forward. That was also true of the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert with Moses. They didn't want to go back to being slaves, of course, but they did want to go back to the familiarity of home in Egypt. It was predictable and known, and they were afraid, like everyone is, of the unknown. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glaser's award-winning book, A GPS for Grief and Healing, available at Amazon and in Kindle format. Believe it or not, the Bible talks a lot about grief and healing and can be a powerful source for us to move forward. For example, after Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt where they'd been slaves, they wandered in the desert for 40 years before God would let them into the Promised Land. God only wanted those who'd been born free, who'd never known slavery, to enter Israel. Those who had been slaves had to die out before their descendants would be allowed to enter the Promised Land. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glazer's award-winning book, And God Created Hope, available at Amazon and in Kindle format. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: It's your world. You are listening to From Morning to Morning. To find out more about our program, visit GriefOK.com. Again, that's GriefOK.com. Now, back to From Morning to Morning.
1: I'm Alan back after the break. And we're talking about how time does not heal anything, it doesn't heal loss. It's what you do at that time that does heal. Time itself just passes. It doesn't do anything else. It's neutral. You want to get better, you gotta do something during the time that you have. Before I continue, I'd just like to remind you that. If you have a topic that you would like for me to address, send me an email at Rabbi Mel at grief okay, Griefok. Rabbi Mel at griefok dot You can email me your reactions to the topics. You can email me any questions you may have. You can email me topics that you'd like me to talk about. And I wish you would do that. I would be happy to have a conversation with you. So adapting to the loss doesn't mean that we're emotionally complete with all the things we wish had been different, better, or more. Or with the unrealized hopes, dreams, and expectations we had for our future with that person. That is the definition that I work with. What is grief? Grief can be described in those words. Grief means there's a change, there's a loss in our lives, uh, and we wish things were different, better, or more. And there are unrealized hopes, dreams, and expectations that we had for our future with that person. That's why you got to forgive them. That's why you got to apologize to them. That's why you got to share funny, good, happy stories with them. That's why you got to tell them you love them. That's what you got to do before somebody dies. Then they can rest in peace and so can you. That even includes bad relationships in which we may have hoped the other person would acknowledge and apologize for the things he or she did that hurt us. But that's that's a hope. Sometimes it happens, comes true. Sometimes it does not. But we have to forgive. Remember what Harold Kushner says. Not forgiving somebody is the same as letting them live rent-free in your head forever. Not forgiving somebody is the same as letting them live rent free in your head forever. We've all known people who have adapted to the reality of the loss, but are still carrying a mountain of unfinished business about a death, a divorce, or other losses for many years. If time were a healer, that would not be the case. But the key to recovery from grief is action not waiting for time to pass. We talked about having a flat tire. You're not just going to sit there and wait for the air to jump back into your tire. We know that time is not going to fix that tire. We know that time is not going to get that car back on the road. So you got to, Get a jack or call AAA or somebody, you got to have somebody take care of it or change your tire yourself. The parallel is this once again. An emotionally broken heart is remarkably like a flat tire. The get up and go has got up and gone. I like that. The get up and go has got up and gone. The ability to participate fully in life is limited, if there at all. And again, the key is action. You must take actions to complete what was left unfinished for you by the death, the divorce, or other loss. Or you may find yourself just wandering through life without purpose or focus, trapped under the weight of the unfinished baggage You're dragging along with you. You can't go over grief. You can't go under grief. You can't go around it. What does the song say? Gotta go in the front door. And that's the truth. Our earliest socialization tells us, don't feel bad, be strong, don't burden others with your feelings. Using just those few incorrect ideas, we develop a default position that suggests we shouldn't feel bad in the first place. If we're taught not to feel bad, when feeling bad is the normal and natural reaction to grief-producing event, it makes it almost impossible for us to access healthy guidance to go through grief, rather than trying to bypass it by going over, under, around, or through it. Got to deal with it. The first thing we must do if we want to deal with our grief effectively is to allow our grief to exist by acknowledging it. And by communicating openly about it to people with whom we feel safe. Remember I said that one of the myths is grieve by yourself. Don't bother me. I'm not interested. Well, don't. that's a myth. That means it's not true you got to find people that care about you and, and your situation, and you will. I know you will. Grief is the normal and natural reaction to loss of any kind. The range of reactions and emotions and response to grief-producing events is as wide as there are people on the planet. It is said that everyone grieves in their own way and at their own pace. I agree with that statement. But experiencing grief, even in our own way and at our own pace, is not the only issue. For example, when someone important to us dies or when we get divorced, we're always left with some things we wish had been different, better, or more, as I said before, and with some unrealized hopes, dreams, and expectations about the future. These are the key words that can help us discover what was left emotionally incomplete for us as a result of a death, a divorce, or any other loss. We call those unfinished or incomplete things unresolved grief. And that's what we take care of during the time that we now have. All of those unrealized hopes, dreams, and expectations. And we make it right. We make it so that our beloved can rest in peace. What happens? You know, this is harder. It's hard to grieve for somebody that you love. How do you grieve somebody that you did not love? Let's say you you were divorced. Okay? And uh, in a year or two, your ex-spouse died. Well, you are filled with all kinds of ambivalent feelings. Because on one hand, you had a nasty divorce. You haven't said a nice thing to each other. Even if you share kids with each other, you haven't said a nice thing to each other in two years. You You didn't like him at the end of the relationship. You don't like him now, but... You had some good times together, you will admit that. And for those good times together, you must feel a sadness. That's You're allowed to feel grief for somebody that you didn't like so much. But now the problem is you have to get over two kinds of grief at the same time. The first grief is that the relationship failed. The second grief is that they died. So it's harder to mourn the loss of a less than loved person than it is a loved person because you have to add a layer of uh, grief and mourning for that relationship. So you have to bring that relationship to its conclusion. And then you can mourn their death. It may be difficult, it may sound difficult, and it is sometimes. Sometimes an ex-spouse dies and you say, thank God. Well, you may feel that, and you also may feel like that's really a shame and we did have some good times together. Okay, so we've been talking about how time does not help the grief process, all by itself, that you need to fill that time with um, actions. So I'm going to try to paint a picture, if you will, of a way to do that, give you some answers and suggestions about how to do that. So let's say that uh, mama died uh, six months ago. And uh, let's see, it's now August, August, September, October, November, December. So you're going to have Thanksgiving and you're going to have Christmas and you're going to have New Year's. So let's begin with Thanksgiving. So you're going to usually have a Thanksgiving dinner for the whole family. And Mama sits in her chair and nobody else sits in that chair, but Mama does. Because it's usually mama who makes the meal. So, what do you do? My suggestion is the first year only that she's not there, you leave her space empty. Don't set the table there. Don't, you can put dishes of food there, but leave it empty. She's not there. That's number one. Number two, before dinner starts, some of you may say gravy, some of you may not. But what I suggest you do is you go around the room and you tell stories about mama. And you tell funny stories about mama and stories where you shared loving actions and events and times with mama. And you go around the room and everybody contributes a story. Sometimes you'll laugh. Sometimes you'll cry. It's all all right. But you'll remember her and you'll break the tension of feeling only sadness at Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner or the Passover Seder. You name it. It doesn't make any difference. Whatever joyous occasion there is. So you have to talk about it within family. They will understand and appreciate and you will give your family the privilege of mourning her death by honoring her life. You will give your family the privilege of mourning her death by honoring her life. Leave her seat empty. She's not there. The the third thing you have to do and you don't do it then, is you got to figure out who's going to be the next mama. As I said before, mama was the person you could confide in forever and always. Mama was non judgmental. Mama never told you you were a bad boy or a bad girl. Mama just loved you, period. No matter what you said or did, she just hugged you and loved you. Somebody's got to be the next matriarch of your family. you got to figure out who wants to do it, who's going to do it. It's important that every family have a matriarch and a patriarch. So that's the third thing to do. The fourth thing to do is if there are kids in the family, which there usually are, have them draw pictures before the meal. Say to them, you know, Mama died. I'd like for you to draw a picture of a nice time that you shared with your, as we call her, bubby, with your grandmother. So then you will have kids participating in family events. You will have kids mourning her death and celebrating her life. And that is good reason to have a Thanksgiving dinner because you will be giving thanks to God for giving you mama And you will be celebrating and honoring everything and every gift that she gave to you. You think about it. We'll talk some more about it next time. Gotta go. Thanks for listening in. Remember, our job is to go from morning to morning. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
0: again for joining Rabbi Mel Glazer for From Morning to Morning. Please tune in again next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're wishing you strength and hope in the next week.